Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Today's message is The Evangelist in You. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. What we talked about last week um, is, is kind of the, the idea of a mission and a vision. You know, in all organizations, that's important. That's a big thing. And, and we kind of talked about how sometimes I think that's overrated. Sometimes I think we spend way too much time uh, doing that. But at the same time, you still need a, a guidance of where you're going. And so we talked about two passages in Acts. We talked about Acts 1.8. Uh, the passage of uh, take, take the message to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so this kind of progression of taking the message out. And, uh, and we said that's a message of, that's, that's very bold, that makes us move out. But then we also looked at Acts 2.42, and it talks about how the, the disciples and the followers uh, started gathering up. You know, they had received this huge vision. That was basically to take the, the message to the ends of the earth, which that, that's, that's huge. And you sit there and go, man, how are we going to do that, right? Well, the way that they did it is they gathered together and they started devoting themselves to teaching, to learning about Christ. They started uh, spending time together, uh, getting food, eating together, breaking bread together, worshiping together, and praying together. And then from that, they were able to accomplish the, the larger vision. And so one of our focuses or our focus here at Journey is to do that well so that we can continue to uh, participate and make a difference in the overall vision, right? But, but we need to be a place where people can grow closer to Christ who can be equipped to better be able to serve him. So we're going to kind of continue that out today. And we're going to talk about a word that some people kind of cringe at. It's the word evangelism, right? Everybody heard the word evangelism? It's pretty much a started out and it's a religious term. It's going out and sharing your belief, sharing the gospel message, sharing your faith. Now, whenever I say evangelist, what do you think of? Anything. You, you, you can actually, do you, who do you think of evangelist? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Anyone else? That, that's the big one, Right. But, but I just want you to think back in your mind, you've experienced an evangelist, right? And you probably don't know their name. And you may have loved it, or you may have been terrified by it, right? I mean, that's, that's the way that many times it works. When we think of evangelism, when we think of the evangelist, a lot of people kind of get nervous, Right? Because our model of what an evangelist is, is it's someone like Billy Graham. Or it's someone that came to that week-long revival at your church as a kid and did a whole lot of yelling and was very passionate, no doubt, and shared the truth, but maybe shared it in a very harsh way. I, you never know. Or maybe did a great job. But what you realize is, man, I, I can't do that. Right? Like, there's very few people who can do what Billy Graham did, right? You can't just walk outside and start uh, talking on the street corner anymore, right? And so we struggle with this as, as a church and as Christians in the United States because we know that we all have to be evangelists 
In that, we need to be sharing our faith, right? But the model that we've been given is one that is very difficult to reach. And so how do we do that? It's kind of like if you, and and maybe many of you may have grown up like this, but uh, if your parents, you know, what's the old stereotype? They want their kids to become doctors or lawyers, right? And so imagine, you know, as a child, you're, uh, you're growing up and, uh, and you're just being told, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a doctor. And then you realize, I can't stand the sight of blood, right? There's nothing wrong with being a doctor, right? But that, I can't do that, right? There's no way. And, and so what do you do? You're like, you just give up. You say, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'll go find something else to do. I think that's what we do with evangelism is we're told you need to go and share your faith. You need to be an evangelist. And then we look and we see people like Billy Graham and we go, I can't do that. Or we see people and I've been told that we need to do this or that that I need to be do this. Some evangelists say this. I was with a guy who very evangelistic and, and we were having lunch at a restaurant and the waitress comes up to get our drink order. And he just looks at her and says, Sweetie, do you know Jesus? And I'm just like, Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that question, by the way. And, and uh, she just looked at him and said, Well, yeah, I do. And he goes, Well, that's great. I'll take a water. All right. And then we kind of talk about it. And, and he does that nearly every, every place he, he goes. Right? I personally don't know if that's the best way to evangelize, but for him, he was comfortable doing that. I would rather swim through shark-infested waters <laughs> than do that. I, 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 it, I, I couldn't do it. There's, I mean, it, I wouldn't be able to make the words come out of my mouth. And, and there are some people that would say, and you'll find them today, and, and they may be right that they would say, I need to get over that, that I need to be able to be bold. I need to be able to, to share my faith, right? And I look at it as like, man, if that's the way I'm supposed to do it, I wish God would have wired me different because that's, that's hard, right? If that's who you are, fine. But I think most people, that's hard. Like it's used to, people would go and knock on doors, right? What we found is that that is getting less and less effective. And in Texas, you may get shot. Right? It doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay? I'm not not bashing an old way. But what I'm saying is that I feel that we've presented that old way of very bold, of very in-your-face, lay it all out. We've presented that is what it means to be an evangelist. And guess what? In order for Acts 1-8 to happen... That needed to happen, right? Because they were going out, they were telling a a whole new message that had never been heard before. And so it was important for Paul and for Peter and for those early evangelists, it was important for them to go to the street corner and start talking and say, listen to what I saw in Jerusalem, right? It was important for them to do that. It had to be done. But is that the only way that we go about evangelism. We're going to look at two quick uh, passages. Uh, they're on page 823 
and 851 in the, your chair Bible. And the first one is from Colossians, and it's chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And, and I want to, what we're kind of making the case for is that there clearly are people who are called to be evangelists, who are called to be boldly proclaim uh, the message of Christ and to do it in, in bold ways. But that's not the only way that you can be an evangelist. In fact, that would be the most ineffective way in the world to, uh, to, to spread a message uh, if everyone did it that way, right? You know, I mean, just, just imagine if, you know, this is probably a pretty good example maybe, uh, if, if you are owning a, a business that's trying to sell things and the only people that you have working for you are outgoing salesmen, that all they care about is going and meeting someone one time, giving their sales pitch, and getting them to sign up, right? And then they also, and so because you've only hired salesmen, you, uh, they, they also have to come back to the office, and they have to work out, okay, well, now how are we going to fill these orders? And now uh, how do we keep our books? Guess what? They will not do it, right? And your company will collapse, so if we really think that there's only one way of evangelism, we're seriously mistaken because Christianity wouldn't have gotten to today if that was the only thing that was being done. And so I want to look in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. This is Paul uh, talking to, uh, writing to the church in Colossae. He's asking for prayers. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. All right. So Paul, ultimate evangelist, right? Bold. When he sat down at a restaurant, he asked the person, do you know Jesus? Right? That's who Paul is. And so he's asking them, pray for us. Pray for doors to be open. Pray for hearts to be softened. But then he continues. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you see the difference in style here? Paul is asking, pray for us that doors open so that I may proclaim the gospel, right? And that's what he's doing. He's just going and he's shouting it out. And then he encourages the people back at Colossae. Does he say, now you need to go find the street corner I told you about and start uh, sharing the, the, the good news each and every day? No, he says, be wise. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders make the most of every opportunity he doesn't say go and make the opportunities he says make the most of the opportunities when they come is basically what he's saying there we need to be aware of the opportunities he says let your conversation be always full of grace right so the way that doesn't he didn't even say let your conversation be full of proclaiming the gospel He said, let your conversation be full of grace. 
There's a difference. Like you can have conversations with people that, that are pointing them to Christ and you're not giving the salvation message. Right? You're being graceful. You're treating people with respect and you're treating people because you love them just as God loved you. Right? So you have conversations filled with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you are helping them. You're, you're looking, again, you're aware of opportunities. And so when that opportunity arises, you can say, hey, you know what? Do, do you know Jesus? Right? That's a, but that's a very different way than Paul is doing. But Paul is affirming this. He's saying this is what you need to be doing. And then he says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Bold evangelism. There's no questions. It's I'm presenting the truth and you need to hear it and you can take it or you can leave it. Right? And that's, that's a little harsh. I mean, no, no one, they, not really, but, but ultimately that's what it is, right? Most of the way that we look at evangelism, that's it. It's someone kind of telling you what they believe and then the, the response is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? What are you going to do it? Right? Paul is saying, be prepared to answer their questions. In order to be the one that's answering questions, you're not the first one to speak. The question has to be asked. Right? But what being an evangelist is, is living your life in a way that encourages people to ask questions. So that then you can answer them. And you can then point them to Christ. Another passage is 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Again, this is Peter who gave the first uh, evangelistic message and 3,000 people came, came forward. He's, uh, he's been giving pastors complexes ever since. Like, man, gosh, except Billy Graham. Billy Graham's the only one that can stand up to Peter. So in the verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be, be ashamed of their slander. Man, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So that needs to be right. In order to be, a, be an evangelist, you need to be right with God. He needs to be filling you up. You need to be realizing he's the breath in your lungs, right? That he's filling you up. And then always be prepared to give an answer, which by the way, you will be. If you're living your life in Christ and you're recognizing that he's involved in everything about it, then you're ready to answer questions when they come. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Right? And then he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. We haven't always done that. We haven't always done that. We haven't acted with gentleness and respect. And you know what? One of the reasons is because the easiest thing to do if you're an evangelist, is to be the bold evangelist that just goes and shouts out the message. Because then what do you get to do? You go to the next street corner, 
go to the next town. Again, I'm saying we, we've needed that, right? But most people are not that. And many times, even in that form of evangelism, it's not done with gentleness and respect. And now we're in a place... Now, now we're in a place where, let's, let's be honest, the message is out there, right? Most people know the basic gospel message. They've, they've at least heard the details, right? So if your form of evangelism is just to go and shout, hey, God loves you, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose again, most people could already tell you those facts. But they may have no idea what that actually means. And so the way that evangelism happens is all of a sudden they start seeing people living their lives that way and lives that are transformed. We need to start thinking of ways that we can live questionable lives. Lives that make people go, man, why do you respond that way? Why do you do that? Why do you, why are you positive? <laughs> When the government's shut down, right? Maybe we can react in different ways. This is a, a book that I'm, I'm using some of, the, some of the information on it, it's, and it's talking about living questionable lives. It's talking about this new way of, of evangelism. And uh, the early church, and this would have been in the uh, mid-300s, so the church has now been around for uh, probably 300 years by this time. Um, it's, it's really grown in the Roman Empire. Um, the Acts 1-8 has, is being accomplished, right? The, the message is getting out there. Uh, Christian, Christianity is growing. Rome doesn't like that. Rome has always been uh, a very pagan society. They're, they're religious, they're spiritual, but they think you should believe in all gods. They, they honestly, they called Christians, they called them atheists. Isn't that interesting? They called Christians atheists because Christians believed in only one God. They didn't believe in all the rest. So they said, oh, they're atheists. Uh, and they also called them Galileans. Uh, they didn't really use, wasn't using the term Christians. And this is a, a letter that was written by Emperor Julian. Now, Christianity it was already getting probably the majority of the Roman Empire. But the Roman Empire hasn't recognized Christianity, which was probably one of the worst decisions in the history of the church. That's another topic. But, but Christianity was growing rapidly in Rome. And the emperor was scared to death. And he was like, this is not good. And so he, this guy was very paganistic and was kind of antagonistic towards Christians. And so listen to this uh, letter that he writes says, we must pay special attention to this point, and by this means effect a cure. For when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then I think the impious Galileans, or Christians, observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They have gained ascendancy in the worst of their deeds through the credit they win for such practices. For such as those who entice children with cake and by throwing it to them two or three times induce them to follow them. And then when they are far away from their friends, cast them on board a ship and sell them as slaves. 
By the same method, I say the Galileans also begin with their so-called love feast or hospitality or service of tables, for they have many ways of carrying it out and hence call it by many names. And the result is that they have led very many into atheism. Then he says, we need to do something about this. They're actually helping the poor. They actually care about people. This is not a good thing. We need to do something. He says, why do we not observe that this is their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead and, their, and the pretended holiness of their lives that they have done most to increase atheism? I believe we ought really to truly to practice every one of these virtues. For it is disgraceful that when the impious Galileans support not only their own poor, uh, but ours as well, all men seek that our people lack aid from us. The Christians were living questionable lives. They saw a need and they reached out. And they said, you know what? The government's not going to do this. We'll take care of you. We love you. And guess what happened? People started asking, why do you care about us? And they said, because Jesus loves me and he loves you. And all of a sudden, the Roman Empire becomes Christian. Because they were just living questionable lives. Now today, the answer is not simply philanthropy. There's a lot of groups and organizations that are taking care of the poor. It should still be important to us. We should still look for ways that we can do it. But that's not going to just, just because you're like, oh yeah, I care about the poor. That doesn't fly in the face of culture. We need to be thinking, okay, how How do we go about living our life today that encourages people to ask questions? We're going to be giving you some ideas and giving you some thoughts over the next few weeks. And as everything is with Journey, it's going to be simple. And if you kind of lean towards the the, the more bold, evangelistic uh, way of doing things, you're going to go, oh, is that it? And I'm going to say, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Because I think God works through the simple relationships and the simple lives of the people that he loves. But we do it with a purpose. And one of the ways that it has to start, one of the ways that, that you can be different is that you truly seek to deepen your relationship with Christ. That it becomes a real relationship. You know, I, there's a lot of people who have grown up as Christians and are still active in churches who don't have a real relationship with Christ. And you know what? It, it, it looks different when you do. And so one of the ways, if you want to be an evangelist, if you want Christ to shine through you, the first thing you have to do is you have to start actually deepening your relationship with him. And you can do that simply. One of the things we're hoping with this podcast is that it gives you another resource in the week just to remind you, oh yeah, you know what? Jesus does love me. Jesus is with me. You know what? I can can do this. You need, we need to be seeking to deepen our relationship with Christ because that will lead to living questionable lives. Just like in our tagline, living life in Christ. And then what that leads to 
is impacting his kingdom. So once we do that, we look at the lives of those around us and we allow God to create opportunities for us to engage in their life. And then as we do that, eventually there'll be a question and they'll say, why do you do that? Why? Why do every time that you see me, you smile and shake my hand? You know, I don't know what it's going to be. It's different for all of us because we're all in different settings. But maybe if we started thinking about it that way, is, man, I'm going to live my life so that I engage the relationships around me and, and I live a questionable life, and so when the questions come, I'm ready. Man, God changes lives that way. That's how the Roman Empire went from being completely secular and completely pagan to being the majority Christian. Right? And it wasn't perfect. It was messed up. And guess what? It's not going to be perfect this way. And there will be people that will criticize you for having this view of evangelism. They'll say, man, you're really not very bold. Are you not proud of your faith? Are you not? And you're like, you know what? It, it takes everybody. But this is what fits me. You know what? What is it that God has wired you to do? Because whatever it is, whatever that passion is, you can be an evangelist in the midst of it. You can live a questionable life working at a car wash or being a doctor. Right? You can do that. But it starts with seeking to deepen your relationship with Christ and just allow it to fill every aspect of who you are. That's what we want to do here at Journey. We don't want you coming here as the only place that you serve or engage with God. In fact, that's why we keep things simple. is because we want you to go from this place and engage the culture for God. That's how lives are changed. That's how God continues to work. And he's going to work. Give him a chance. And it's simple. And you know what? You're not going to see 3,000 people in one day come down and say, I'm giving my life to Christ. More than likely. But you will start seeing people's lives changed. And it'll start with yours. And then all of a sudden, we realize, you know what? God is still impacting the world. And he's called us to be part of it. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to impact the world around us. I thank you for calling each of us to be evangelists. And I pray, Lord, that we will take that very seriously and that we will seek ways to live questionable lives. And Lord, we ask that you present the opportunities for us to share our faith with those around us. Lord, draw us into your presence each and every day. Draw us closer to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.